And I said, you know what? I'm going to sit this one out, guys. I know you guys are going to make a lot of money, but I'm going to sit this one out. Every opportunity I said no to. Now, I think everybody pretty much realized that that shit was a scam. <laughs> I was vindicated for acting in an abundance of caution. Yo, what up, what up? It's your man, Brandon Carter, and you are listening to the Victory Talk podcast this is the podcast where we show you how to build your money muscle and mindset i give you the lessons that i learned over my career building several multi seven-figure businesses and every once in a while i bring in my successful multi-millionaire friends to teach you their lessons as well no matter what podcast platform you're tuning into make sure you follow us there because we are dropping new content every day that's going to help you succeed now let's get into today's episode I want to share with you the top 10 lessons I learned from my biggest failures. When I was young, I'm about to turn 41 soon. So my 20s was long ago. (laughs) And in my 20s, man, I made a lot of mistakes and made a lot of huge errors that really afforded me a lot of opportunities for misfortune. And I learned a lot from those failures. And those lessons propelled me to the success I started to have in my 30s and 40s. I went from being broke. You know, my father had killed himself, shot himself in the head. I had to take care of the whole family to right now when I'm consistently balling, elite level balling, multiple eight figure businesses, penthouse luxury, apartments overlooking the Atlantic Ocean, millions of fans across social media platforms. And I want to teach you these lessons now because experience is the best teacher, but it does not have to be your experience. So if you can learn from my failures and get the lesson without having to have the awful experiences, one, it's less painful way to learn. But in addition to that, you won't have the setbacks that I had and you should be able to accomplish what I've accomplished or better in a lot less time. So let's get into it. Lesson number one, human beings will always act in their own self-interest. A lot of times people lament the fact that others are selfish or they won't do things for them or they're not looking out for them. I want you to understand that that's just human nature and I want you to embrace that and learn from it and use that to your advantage. For example, back in the day, there was this girl, I liked a lot. We were supposed to hang out one time. And the day of, mere hours before, she hits me up via text and says, oh, I can't make it tonight. I got to do some shit for my mama. And I believed her, but I also thought, hmm, if I was Drake, would she have said that? Or would she have said, look here, mama, (laughs) I'm about to go kick it with Drake. You're going to have to do that other shit on your own. I think that's what she would have did. And her mom would say, girl, you better go on out there with Drake. Have one of his babies tonight so we can get a better house. (laughs) I believe that's what would happen. I don't think she would have said that to Drake. And instead of being mad at her, like a lot of guys especially guys in their 20s they have something to prove big egos and they would have been like man she said it and get mad but i just thought oh i just need to step my game up that propelled me to work harder or like okay you know what i'm saying i need to make my shit undeniable i need to be so lit that bitches will curb their mama instead of me and their mom would be happy they did it <laughs> people would always act in their own self-interest though the lesson is to just keep that in mind in general think about it in business If you want more customers and you want to keep those customers for longer and get them to pay you more and more, then the product or service that you deliver to your customers should be so good that they would feel stupid for leaving you or fucking with a competitor. It should be so good that they will revolt if you restricted access to your product or service. Like, what if you were that good? If you if you have a hard time keeping employees or or getting good employees, then that's a sign. You're not treating them well enough to sustain them, right? To keep them around. Think about companies like Google, Amazon, Facebook. Their best employees, the fucking nerds who write the code and shit, they treat them so well because 
it's hard to get these motherfuckers. They're getting these motherfuckers from Ivy League schools and they're getting the best of the best from those schools, right? And they put them through a gauntlet of training to get there. But once they get there, you could treat it amazing because they want to retain those employees for as long as possible. It's super important. And if you use it to your advantage, then you don't have to try to manipulate people. You don't have to try to trick people. You don't have to be upset with people for not doing what you want them to do if you align your interests with theirs. I mean, I think that's the key to align your interests with, with, with theirs to make it so they are so happy to fuck with you that they'll do anything to. But that's puts the onus on you. Charles Darwin said, no, no, it wasn't Darwin. It was some other nigga named Charles. Nature is nothing but the inner voice of self-interest. It's just self-interest. Think about the apple tree. The apple trees doesn't make apples for you to eat. They make apples because that's the best environment for the seed. That gives it the highest likelihood of passing on its motherfucking apple genes. <laughs> and we take advantage of that and use it to our self-interest. That's all of nature. You want to align yourself with that instead of fighting over it or lamenting the fact that it's like that way. And it's also a beautiful way to live. What if everybody who fucked with you, what if they all received a greater compensation than the effort they put in to fuck with you for like the employees or the customers, right? They should feel like lucky to have you in your life. But that puts the onus on you. Just like when that bitch curbed me for her mama. Hey, man, I looked at it. That's me. I'm not good enough for her to shit on her mama yet. Lesson number two, displaying confidence is the only way to get support. This kind of builds off of the previous lesson. I see a lot of people who say things like, oh man, my family doesn't support me. My mom doesn't support me. They don't have the support that they would desire or feel like they require to accomplish their goals. But you gotta remember, everybody's gonna act in their self-interest. So if they don't believe that your shit is gonna pop, why the fuck would they support you? Maybe they don't believe in you. That puts the onus on you. You haven't displayed enough competence yet. However, once you start displaying competence, then people will be excited to fuck with you. They'll be asking you, how, how can I help you? For example, when I first started my social media, YouTube and all the shit and started my business, none of my friends and family fucked with the shit. They, they weren't sharing the videos. They weren't liking the shit like that. They weren't telling their friends about it. And it kind of struck me as odd, but I didn't have a track record as a successful entrepreneur, um, as a successful legal entrepreneur. <laughs> Up until that point, I hadn't displayed competence in that domain. However, I also realized that I didn't need their support to, to get it popping. I can get it popping on my own. And I think all you guys can do that. If you're trying to get to like $100,000 a year or even a million, you can get a million dollars a year without your friends and family. <laughs> it's, it's probably better if you do. But once you get it popping, they will all be fucking with you. I promise. <laughs> they will be super excited. They'll be like, ooh, you know, now I got family members. All the motherfucker got to do is say the word exercise <laughs> in their vicinity. Like, ooh, you should see my cousin. He did <laughs> like you wasn't with me shooting in the gym you wasn't you wasn't with me in the beginning you know what i'm saying but i don't trip i just understand that that's human nature everybody wants to get on the train that's moving but nobody wants to get in a motherfucking broken down car everybody wants to ride in the lambo but they don't want to ride in the motherfucking hoopty in the broke down toyota you know what i'm saying but everybody wants to ride in the lambo i want to get read you a quote from uh one of my friends well we used to be friends until he went crazy <laughs> but he, he was, I mean, he said, I ain't got no, I ain't got no hate on him. Uh, the homie Rouge V, he wrote this once. It was a blog post. He said, they want you to fail. Your success is their failure. It reminds them of their laziness, their poor work ethic. I'm sorry to tell you, they all want you to fail. Their subtle jabs, their withholding encouragement are all aimed to keep you in an inferior situation. No one wants to see someone rise faster than the speed they rise themselves. There's no point in telling other people your goals. They will talk you out of it and give you bad advice. There's no point in trying to convince others of your worldview. 
they will plant seeds of doubt that prevent you from action and seeing the truth. The minute you just go slightly higher than they've been, they'll try to sabotage you. They are the worry mongers, the fear mongers, the scare mongers, the shame mongers, the guilt trippers, the trolls and the haters. Ignore them. Feeding them brings them down to your level, which is exactly what they want. You are completely on your own. You don't need anyone. If you can't reach your goals without validation and support from other human beings, then you don't deserve to succeed. That's the worst of it. That's the worst of it. Some people, some and some of them will start to hate, but not when you start balling. When you start balling, they won't start hating. They'll be like, "Hey, man, I got this idea. You got some money? I want you give me some money for this idea, man. Look, look here, man. So I think we we can get some like Timberland boots with with roller skates on them. They'll come, they'll come with you with like all their fucking wacky ideas. You know what I'm saying? Um, but initially, some of them may hate. But I don't think it's always that nefarious. A lot of times. It's not like they want you to fail, but your success does shine light on their inferiority. On a subconscious level, they'll know that, fuck, this mad shit I want to do, but I'm not going after it. So they might withhold support. It's not always as nefarious as Roosh said. I think it's just, it makes them feel bad about themselves on a subconscious level, and they just won't reach out. It's not always as nefarious as Roosh says. Not all the time, but sometimes for sure. But the people close to you, the people who really care about you, sometimes it just like shows them, mm, fuck. Or you have somebody like parents who, you know, they just worry, man. They just worry that you're going to fail. And you might fail, right? But they don't want to see you in any pain because, you know, as a father, when I see my son in pain, I feel pain as well. And they don't want to feel that pain, you know. Um, but you don't need them to support you. You know what I'm saying? Just get, just, just get it popping. Just get it popping. And <laughs> once you get it popping, trust me. Trust me. <laughs> they'll be there to support you. The irony is you won't need them. Number three, there is no amount of money you can't fuck up. <laughs> I promise you that. There is no amount of money you can't fuck up. So probably in my like late, late 20s, I was like knocking on the door of like a million dollars a year. I don't think I made my first million to like my my early 30s you know i don't know exactly the time but i was i was like super close in my late 20s and i would look into my account even though i know i had grossed that large sum of money close to millions uh, i would always look at my account and i'd be like fucking goddamn almost empty and i i that would happen year after year and i continued this fucking charade until i read a book called profit first uh by then by mike mitzkakakuji and Mike had an accounting system called the profit first accounting system that like really blew my mind. It blew my mind. I was like, Oh, I changed it. Now I have a video on profit first. I talked about it last week on the podcast too. So you can check it out. But I took it to the next level and started doing something similar in my personal life with my personal accounting. Cause profit first is more for business accounting, but for my personal accounts, I did something similar and I call it in B a accounting. <laughs> It's based off profit first, but you want to set up five bank accounts. The first bank account is just income. And this is where all the money goes into, right? From all your different income sources. So if you got some fucking real estate income, if you're making money from fucking trading stocks, if you're making money from businesses, multiple businesses. I, I have like multiple businesses, multiple income sources, all the money goes into one account after it goes through the business accounting. What I pay myself all goes to this account. And in this account, you do nothing <laughs> but collect the money and then on what whatever frequency you feel works best for you, you distribute that money throughout the other accounts with the percentages I'm about to give you. So there's no debit card associated with this, with this account. There's no automatic payment associated with this account. This account's sole purpose is to collect the income and then distribute it to the other accounts. Now, a lot of you guys are gonna be gonna say, I can just do this all in one account. Yo, man, that's cause you broke. You don't know shit about real money. <laughs> you, ain't, you, know, you, know, you never did accounting before. You don't know how difficult that's gonna be. You know, I'm smarter than you. The four accounts you're going to put it in, the first one is going to be 
your, I call it the war chest, but it, this count is your investments, right? So you you put, I'll, I'll tell you the percentages in a minute, right? But this is a count where you're going to use to invest in other things that are going to make you more money, right? And I call it the war chest because I look at every dollar like a bullet and I want to use it to attack poverty <laughs> and mediocrity. You know what I'm saying? So that's the war chest. And then you have what, what I call the operations account. So this is the account that you're going to live out of. This is where you have a debit card for. This is where you pay your fucking bills, light bill, cell phone, all that shit. You're going to be living out of this account. These are basically your living expenses, you know. Then you're going to have taxes. Uncle Sam going with that money, man. You better give it to him. We're going to talk about that more. That's going to be another lesson <laughs> that will come up shortly. Uh, you're going to give them that money, man. And then you have a favorite account, your baller account. And this is discretionary spending. Money I spend on, you know, Louis Vuitton shit, Gucci shit, motherfucking Cartier bracelets, expensive ass watches it's like this Richard Millet. And the percentages look like this. 50% of all your income goes into the war chest. NBA stands for never broke again. If you're investing 50% of your income, no matter what, into assets that will grow in both equity and or cash flow, then how can you ever go broke? If you 50% of your money is always gonna work for you indefinitely. Operations, you're gonna live off 30%. You may be thinking right now, I can't live off 30% of my income. You gotta make more money, dummy. This forces you to make more money and it forces you to live below your means. When people see me like fucking spending a bunch of money or they see me making videos, but he's going to go broke soon. I'm like, no, I can't go broke. I never broke again accounting, dummy. <laughs> I can't go broke. 50% of my income is invested. How could I ever go broke? I can't. 15% goes to taxes. A lot of times people, I see a lot of comments when someone says, how's he only paying 15% taxes? Um, Because I have a good accountant. <laughs> and this is just the personal income. Like the business income pays the bulk of my taxes because a lot of my corporate, most of my corporations are S-Corps and the way the tax structure is like they pay the business tax and my personal taxes all kind of wrapped in together. But then there'll be, there might be some leftover shit, some other shit I got to pay, you know, Um, and it comes out right there. And then the baller account, is five percent to give you an idea of how much fucking bread i'm getting right when you see me fucking with louis and the fucking jewelry and the watches and all that shit you know what i'm saying it's five percent of my income like i'm really getting to the money man i'm not i'm not fucking around man i'm really not fucking around and the beauty of the system is one you can never go broke because you're investing half your money you're also living below your means but here's the thing if you want a luxury if you want some designer shit, right? You gotta make a lot more to get it. You can set that goal. Let's say I want to buy a Rolex. Maybe I just want, I don't know, a Submariner Rolex, man, or a GMT or some shit like that. So like a $10,000 Rolex, entry level <laughs> Rolex, all right? No problem. It's gotta come out the baller account, right? So I got a 10 grand, which means I have to make 200 grand. <laughs> I had to make $200,000 to afford that Rolly. You know what I'm saying? And it forces you to set your goals like way higher. And I don't know, man, that may sound unattainable to a lot of you guys, but I need you to understand that that's a mental block you have. Like you can make way more money. You know what I'm saying? You can make way more money. And maybe you don't, maybe you don't, you can't get the Rolex yet. It's like, I mean, maybe you can't get the Rolex yet. And that's fine. It just forces you to make more money. But out of that 200, let's say I buy the Rolex 200, boom. I got to get 200 to pay for a $10,000 Roly. You know what I'm saying? That means I put fucking $100,000 in investments. That's how you can never go broke again. Never broke again. Once you start living like that, it kind of switches your mindset. Like, oh, I need way more money. And you start going super hard to get the things you want. Because I'm not telling you to fucking start making your own coffee like a nerd. Or like to motherfucking uh, bring your lunch to work. <laughs> or some shit. Like you can't, you can't save enough money to get rich, right? No one has ever got rich with austerity. Because you can only save so much. But the amount you can make is, is infinite. You know what I'm saying? So you might have to just work way more. I'm telling you to live below your means. But I'm not telling you to lower your standard of living. I'm telling you to up your fucking means. Because I believe in you.
And anybody who's fighting against this, man, if you argue for your own limitations, you get to keep them. I'm telling you to do it because I believe you can. I believe you're strong. If you live in a first world country, if you live in motherfucking Syria, then you know you don't need none of this shit. You just got to try to find a way to become a refugee and get over here, man. You know what I'm saying? Get in a motherfucking boat, raft, <laughs> fucking swim, do whatever you got to do. Risk, risk it all, right? Because what's the alternative? Living in a fucking shit country? I digress. This is if you live in a first world country. Right, make more money, and all you got to do is like it's, it's time, guys. It's time because when I was because I was like, oh shit, I got to make way more money to do this because I did not want to lower my standard of living at all. I had to really up my my the amount of money I was making, and you you guys can do this with it's called the time exercise. There's only four things a man has to do. One, obviously, you have to sleep. You got to sleep. You got to work. Obviously, you got to get that money, get to the fucking cash. You got to spend time with your family. And you have to work out. Those are the only four things a man has to do. Everything else is optional. Now, every time I say this, some fucking nerd, again, arguing for his own limitations. Every time some nerd says, man, what about using the bathroom? I got to use the bathroom, man. You're not taking the account. I'm like, I, listen, I don't know how many, I don't know. <laughs> how much time you motherfuckers are spending in the bathroom. But if you are spending like 40, 20, 40 hours in the bathroom, then you have problems that are beyond the scope of anything I can cover. I'm not qualified. <laughs> I am not qualified to, to help you with that problem. But most of us, we're not spending a whole lot of time fucking in the bathroom, bro. <laughs> like that's what your girl's supposed That's why I said a man, not a woman. You got to commute to work, but commute to work, add that into the work thing. If you got to commute, then add it to work, right? At that time. All you can do is say, hey, how many hours do I spend asleep? Boom. How many hours do I spend work? Include the commute, dumbass, right? Um, how much time do I spend, you spend with your family? You know what I'm saying? And oh, you still gotta eat. Eat with your family, dummy. Yeah, like like <laughs> multitask. Your family, hey, your family likes food too, dumbass. <laughs> right? Hey, listen, I don't know your children, but I'm assuming they like food. I'm assuming they like food. And you gotta you gotta feed them anyway, else they put you in jail, right? So let's do it together. And you gotta work out. <laughs> then add that all together. And you're gonna subtract that number from 168 because there are 168 hours in every week. And then see what's left. Whatever's left, right? I'm not telling you not to sleep. I'm not telling you not to take care of your health. I'm not telling you not to spend time with your family. I'm telling you to do that thing. And then everything left, use that time to make more money and do this NBA account and shit, homie. And what's going to happen is you're going to be putting way more money into this account. And that's how this is how you're going to get rich. I'm not telling you to just to work hard to get rich. I'm telling you to work hard and invest half of it to get rich. I'm sorry. I'm taking out some of my frustrations on y'all because I sometimes I read the comments and people are just so weak and they just talk about how they could never do this. And they give me all these excuses. And I think I made a pretty compelling argument to the contrary but i know some of some people are just so weak that no matter how compelling my argument is they will they will still argue for their own limitations and it makes me sad like i get literally sad to see you guys doubting yourself so much and it's it fucks with me that i believe in you more than you believe in you lesson number four you will become like the people around you whether you want to or not my man nemas from iran your first language is, is what? My first language is Farsi. Farsi. They didn't have to go hard to teach you Farsi. You just learned it from being around them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, then you went in school, you had like lessons on to do it properly, but you learned the language. All of you learned your languages just from being around people, just hearing it, just picking it up. You know what I'm saying? And people dress different. Where you're from, than they do in America? No, it's very. I mean, of course, women cannot dress as freely as, yeah, no. <laughs> especially in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But exactly as you said, my parents speak a different language yeah. as well with each other. Yeah. It's like Azeri. I learned that without anyone even yeah. teaching me. So. And your accent. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, you, that's not in your DNA. That's just the people around you. Exactly. Just like me. I sound like one of the niggas in Django who's getting whipped. But there's a reason for that because. When Harriet Tubman was going through the South, man, 
freeing the slaves going to underground road they went to chicago that was one of the main stops a lot of black people from chicago have a southern twang in their voice because we're descendants of brave men and women who refuse to be held in bondage but nobody taught me to talk like a slave it just happened and it, same with you right there's a reason that people in different regions have the similar dialect the reason people sound the same right the people use similar slangs because you become like the people you're around whether you want to or not you don't even try how does that impact you well if your friends are all broke losers <laughs> then you gonna be a broke loser they say you were some of the five closest people around you and that's, that's super true one of the easiest ways to make a change in your life is to change your environment for example during vietnam a huge number of, of the soldiers were shooting heroin smack i wonder why we lost that war anyway it was getting high as a motherfucker in, in vietnam and the government feared that oh shit we're gonna have an epidemic when all these soldiers come back as junkies to america but you got to remember they were fucking fighting in the fucking heroin fields right it was like it was plentiful and then everyone was doing it here's the thing soon as they came back to america a lot of them motherfuckers in the rehab they just kind of quit it's well documented that almost all of them like a huge percent of them just quit because they what they did what they changed their environment they were in an environment where fucking shooting up smack was frowned upon i've experienced that too i grew up on the south side of chicago man fucking gang infested wasteland there wasn't a lot of hope it felt hopeless you know then i went to college and it was changed i saw like people who looked like me who were like me oh shit man motherfuckers are actually accomplishing stuff right one of my teachers was the ceo of verizon larry ellison who was like one top one of the top 10 richest men in the world he taught one of my classes and I just had different exposure. You get what I'm saying? Then when I got out of college, I moved to New York and I, and I took advantage of this strategically. I moved to a neighborhood in New York that I could barely afford. It was called Forest Hills in Queens. I think that's where like Donald Trump grew up or some shit. I put myself in an environment where it felt like hopeful. It felt like being broke was, was not um, acceptable. But I, I would go back home and motherfuckers was like broke. And it was okay. Like it was okay to be on welfare. It was okay to be on, on section eight. It was okay to be on food stamps and all this other shit. And my environment set a different standard for me. That's something I've always kept in mind since then. I started making more money. It's like it, just because the environment set a different standard. And I started to learn different things from these people around me. Then I moved to the upper West side in Manhattan, same shit. You know, everybody out there balling motherfucking I, I'm, I'm in the Michael Douglas is in my gym. You know what I'm saying? I'm working out next to Michael Douglas. You know what I'm saying? Motherfucking Michael Strahan, Super Bowl champion Michael Strahan would be at, at the fucking Equinox over there and shit, you know? And, and it really stepped my game up a little bit. Then I, I made some friends who were like really balling. I started becoming friends with Elliot Hulse. And I saw what he was doing and it made and that really changed things because it made it feel like it was possible, you know? I became friends with Owen from Real Social Dynamics. And he, he became like a friend, like a mentor to me. They were making like fucking eight figures a year. And I was like, oh shit, more, this is possible. It felt real. It starts to feel real. And, and now I'm in Miami, almost all my friends are ballers. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I be at motherfucking the heat game, floor seats. I'm saying what up to Mike Towers. You know Motherfucking Azuma. Be over there, man. Motherfucking DJ Khaled. You know what I'm saying? You get motivated to step your game up. Whether you're in the fucking hood and you're, you're not motivated to step your game up. You're motivated to do motherfucking crime. One of the best things you can do is uh, change your environment. And I, I promise you, you'll, you'll reap the rewards. Lesson number five. Protecting the downside is more important than focusing on the upside. So, I'm going to tell you a story. During peak pandemic... When C-19 was ravishing the globe, New York City was on, was the, one of the first American cities to be on lockdown. I'm walking around that motherfucker like I am legend. <laughs> and towards the end, there was this thing with, that a lot of people were making a lot of money on. Something called non-fungible tokens, more commonly known as nfts and i saw a lot of people make a lot of money and quickly and everybody was telling me brandon your audience is so big you should come out with your own nft shit and i researched those non-fungible tokens and i was like this looks like a scam <laughs> now i'm not saying that people didn't make a lot of money they did but it looked like a scam i knew i could have made a lot of money i could have made a, a few extra million that year but i thought about what what 
what's the downside? What's the worst that can happen? If it's a scam, I promote it to my audience. They fucking buy into the scam and then they don't make money. Now I lose the trust that took me a fucking decade to build with my audience. Then what? What do I do after that? I've acted outside of integrity. Could I even fucking live with myself? And I said, you know what? I'm going to sit this one out, guys. I know you guys are going to make a lot of money, but I'm going to sit this one out. Every opportunity I said no to. Now, I think everybody pretty much realized that that shit was a scam. <laughs> I was vindicated for acting in an abundance of caution. And I didn't fucking take advantage of my audience, right? You know what I'm saying? And I protected the downside. And I can still make money. I still get respect and love when I'm in the streets. You know what I'm saying? I didn't rip off people and I felt good, right? But there's some people I know. Let's take Logan Paul, for example. He took a different route. <laughs> now, he's still doing well for himself, but that definitely damaged his reputation with some of the shit he was doing. And uh, amongst others, you know what I'm saying? Among There's a lot of people who, who really damaged their reputation. And I think it's going to be... For, for the majority of them, I, I, some of them I know personally, I know that they're, uh, if they can go back in time, they wouldn't have done that, right? So instead of like just focusing on the upside, really take into account the downside. Every opportunity is not one you need to go after. All money ain't good money. You know what I'm saying? And, and no money is worth like your character and no money is worth like the ramifications of, of misleading people, doing them wrong and, and having to live with that. And if we go even further than that, just think about, you know, like you're going to have kids one day or maybe you got kids now, man. Imagine they grow up and find out your daddy was a motherfucking scammer. <laughs> like that, I, I'd imagine that that could fuck with a young man. <laughs> so you don't, you don't want to <clears throat> put your children through that or your family through that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, protect the downside, protect the downside. Number six overconfidence is dangerous overconfidence is dangerous i'm gonna give you an example the first time i started public speaking i worked really hard on my first few speeches because i, I wanted to be good and i wanted to, to do a good job the people who invited me to speak it's not something i wanted them to regret so i worked really hard and diligent on on those speeches perfecting every aspect of it and you know be, because i did that all those all those speeches went exceedingly well. I over-delivered. I definitely exceeded all expectations. And that started to continue. It got to the point where every time I gave a speech, I would start getting standing ovations. And I would always hear from the attendees that I was the best speaker of the night. And it got to the point where I got arrogant about that. And I stopped preparing as much for my speeches and I stopped putting in the same kind of effort because I started feeling feeling myself I felt like yeah I got this shit I'm the man this fucking this king keto gymnasium Jesus man it's fuck <laughs> these motherfuckers lucky that I'm gonna speak to them man they lucky to hear me talk <laughs> the bible says pride comes before the fall proverbs 16 18 Pride goeth before destruction. <laughs> I was about to find out just how true that statement was. So I go on stage and I'm like, and I didn't prepare nothing. I was like, man, I'm, I'm fucking gymnasium Jesus, right? So gymnasium Jesus gets on stage and I fucking bomb, man. Like the worst speech of my life tonight. And it was super embarrassing. And I embarrassed the people who invited me. I, I knew I wasn't going to get invited to speak anymore there. The fans I could have made, I repelled them from probably ever being a fan of mine <laughs> again in life. And that's just what I learned. Oh man, you got to keep preparing. You got to be preparing, right? Um, you know, the absence of doubt is not necessarily the presence of truth. Just because you have no doubt doesn't mean you shouldn't. And another another quote that I've heard a lot of time, I don't know who's attributed it to, but nothing fails like success. So once you start succeeding in anything, never think your shit don't sting. Never think you just got it. Never think that you can like take your foot off the gas. Never think you you got to stop putting in that work. Because you got to keep doing what got you there.
You got to keep doing what got you there. And you see this a lot of times in relationships where, you know, either the guy or the girl will stop doing the things that got them in a relationship. And then, you know what I'm saying? And they start to take that person for granted. It's super common. That's why 50% of marriages end in divorce. That doesn't mean that 50% fail. That just means 50% of them were brave enough to divorce. How many people live in unhappy marriages they wish they can get out of? Because whatever, whatever both parties were doing in the beginning, they stopped doing at some point. I don't know if they started taking that, those people for granted or you see this with employees, man, or maybe it's you remember the first day this is a job you wanted and you were super hyped to get there. You probably wear your, your best shit. You researched the boss, the company, you came in there with a fucking resume looking all spiffy and you gave an exceptional interview. Then your first few days, man, you out here working hard, trying to outwork every people. And then you slip a little here, you take your foot off the gas a little here. Maybe you cut a corner there. You get away with it, right? Like, oh, yeah, cut, cut another corner here. Cut another corner. And you keep cutting corners. Next thing you know, I fire you. <laughs> That's not the guy I hired. Or, or even in businesses, man. Like, you see this in different businesses. Motherfuckers stop improving their business models. Start, they stop looking for new ways to make money. And the business go out of business. Look at Blockbuster Video. Back in the day, there was this thing. If you wanted to watch a movie, you had to go to this place called Blockbuster Video and you would have to rent what's called a VHS cassette or a DVD. And you would rent it, put it in your, your DVD player or VHS cassette player, and then you watch it with your family. Oh, that's a good movie, then you bring it back, right? Blockbuster was coasting off that shit for mad long. Then Netflix came through and was like, yo, y'all don't remember the way Netflix started, they would fucking mail the shit to you. You go online, and you say, boom, 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 y'all want to read this. And they mail you the shit and you mail it back. And Blockbuster saw this shit like, we ain't got to do that. We Blockbuster. But then Netflix, they, they, they started taking market share from Blockbuster. Blockbuster did not respond. And then Netflix, what they do, they kept improving on the shit. They started making original shit, original movies. They started putting other shows on. Now, you can't rent a DVD from Netflix no more. It's all streaming. And, and they got their own shows. And some of them shits is fire. Documentaries and shit. This is one I like called Dirty Money. They keep improving on their shit. Where blockbusters, they never kept improving. They just rested on their laurels. Now they out of business, right? They got too confident. They got cocky. They didn't keep improving. But Netflix keeps improving. And they're doing a lot better as a result, right? You got to do that same shit in your life. You got to always get better. Don't think you got enough skill now. Don't think you're good enough now. In my life, I'm always trying to get better. Before I came back to YouTube, remember I took a like a two-year hiatus from YouTube. And before I came back, I took fucking speaking lessons. That may come as a shock to you. I sound like a direct descendant of Aunt Jemima, <laughs> but just know it was worse. <laughs> I'm always trying to improve. I'm always trying to level up my game. I never feel like I'm good enough because I noticed somebody else on my tail, man, who's trying to get better, who wants to take my spot or wants to take market share from me. I uh, stay abreast of that. Number seven, if you're not tracking, you're slacking. I want to tell you a story. I started working out when I was in high school. You know, really just I want to get stronger. I wanted to get better at violence so I can like, you know, win a lot of the fights I was in. Uh, but then I stopped fighting and I started training people and it, it was cool. But anyway, I was working out, but I wasn't making super fast progress until college. As you all know, I used to be a musician, play keyboard, drums, guitar, and, uh, and, and I used to rap. I used to open up at shows for like, Everyone was popular in the early 2000s and fucking ludicrous Kanye West before his first album came out. T.I. Fabulous. And, and once I opened up for LL Cool J. Now, this was LL Cool J when he came out with this uh, song called Love You Better. And he was in peak condition. He was like 40 years old, but he was in peak condition. Right. Like super good shape. I opened up for this nigga <laughs> and I get off stage and then there's this girl I liked. I started talking to her after. Oh, you did a good job. Then LL came on. She straight, literally pushed me out the way <laughs> and ran to LL. <laughs> and there was like a mob of girls, college girls, running to this 40-year-old man. Instead of hating, I watched in awe. I was like, whoa, this motherfucker is 40 years old. And these girls are screaming. He lifted his shirt off and they went crazy. That's when I said, you know what? I'm going to start taking fitness more seriously. <laughs> For whatever reason, that was the moment I was super motivated to take fitness seriously. I was already working out hard. I was working out good. I was eating right, but I wasn't quantifying it. So I started tracking all my workouts. I started tracking my macros, tracking, tracking my meals and tracking what I ate, being diligent with the data. And yo, in the next few months, I made 
so much more progress than I did before just by tracking. If you're not tracking, you're slacking. And then, you know, I was a personal trainer and then I got serious about making my clients track their macros and track their diets and track their ease and track their lifts, track their numbers. You know, I was one of the first people ever to do online training. Like I helped pioneer the online training industry. I'm almost 40, right? And I was literally one of the first people to do it. You know, I'm not saying I invented it, but I was definitely one of the pioneers. And how do you get somebody results if you can't be in the gym with them? Well, we all know that getting in shape is at least 80% diet. So I just knew, hey man, if I if I made them track their diets and I kept them accountable to that every day and they were following the diet, they would lose weight and they get in better shape. I, I could do that remotely. And so I, I came up with systems to do that. And then when I started doing that for those clients, I was getting better results for my online clients than most in-person trainers were getting for their in-person clients. Cause you, you've been to a gym, you see these guys training them. They not writing shit down and they definitely definitely aren't tracking their clients macros and calorie intake every day fuck out of here so that's how you get way better results for online clients than you do in person clients so i became one of the best trainers in the world statistically <laughs> and then you know i went on to start training i trained some guys in the nfl i trained some fucking uh like like models like real models not like these hoes on instagram, instagram wasn't around so like when i say models i mean like bitches on billboards, magazines and shit, you know what I'm saying? And like pro athletes with the same shit. And then I started tracking that. And then I just noticed everything you track, you start to improve. So I started tracking my finances. The next thing you know, I'm making more money. I'm making, making better financial decisions. And then when I got serious about business, we track every metric in the business. I can tell you exactly how many customers we had, exactly how much money we had, how much money we spent yesterday. I can tell you every metric, how many sales calls we had, what's our sales calls percentage, lifetime value of a customer, what return we're getting on ad spend. I can tell you everything about the business because I have all the data. But without that, I'd be lost. I couldn't make decisions. But I do it in my life, too. If I'm trying to learn a new skill, I track how many hours I'm spending on it. It's a real game changer. Because a lot of times I hear people say shit like, oh, man, I feel like this or it seems like that. You understand exactly what's happening. It takes out the frustration. You get what I'm saying? Like, I, I was trying to uh, learn this new skill. I felt myself getting frustrated about how long it was taking. I think we've all been there. And then because I track how many hours I spend on it, I looked at it. And I said, oh, I've only spent 50 hours on this shit. I'm not supposed to be good yet. So this is what I call the skill acquisition matrix. A lot of it is based off some books I read, The Talent Code and then Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. So Malcolm Gladwell said after 10,000 hours, it makes you one of the best in the world. Anybody who's ever spent an hour a day with an instrument, you know, at around a three month mark, that's when you, you know, you're not bad. You're not bad. So it takes 100 hours just to not suck. Doesn't mean you're good. You need like a thousand hours to be good. To be really good, you need twice that but this shows you how much time it would take you to do it depending on how many hours a week you spend on acquiring the skill i looked at how many hours i spent doing this shit i was like oh i only spent 50 hours i'm not supposed to be good yet and what it did was it took away the frustration and now i can detach emotionally because if i just say i want to get good at something then i can get frustrated every day that i'm not good at it oh, i want to get it but i'm not good oh, i want to be good at it but i'm not good fuck Instead of setting the goal to be good at the thing, I set the goal, hey, I need 100 hours. And then from there, I say, I just need 1,000 hours. And as a result, I'll get good. It takes away the frustration of it. Or with money, if I don't have as much money I make, I say, yeah, how many hours am I working divided by how many fucking, how much money I make, and then I get the hourly rate. It's on my track. So I know what my hourly rate is. And it was cool. When I wanted to make more money, I just said, okay, I'll just work more hours at the thing. Right. And then, then it just becomes math. I've worked with people who wanted to lose weight and they weren't losing the fucking weight. I was like, well, how many calories you eat today? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, motherfucker. But as soon as we like tracking the calories they, they eat and tracking how many calories they burn with some sort of fitness tracker, then we can just do math. I was saying, OK, man, if you burn 500 calories a day, you'll burn 3,500 calories per week and you should burn uh, a pound of fat a week. And if you want to lose weight faster, then just be in a deeper deficit. Right. And it just becomes math and it takes the emotion out of it. Almost every year, the last two years, my revenue for my main business, high ticket trainer, gross revenue has increased by 50%. But that's strategic, right? Because we just look at the numbers. Okay, this is the cost of acquisition. If we spend this much, we'll make this much. And then we know what the lifetime value of the customer is. So now we just, we can play with the numbers and it's just math. We just do the things more. We're not out here guessing. It's like that with everything. Like you should watch some of my other videos on tracking to really learn this, but you want to take your feelings out of, out of it and just look at the data, but you got to acquire the data by tracking to get it. And 
Peter Drucker said, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. If it can't be measured, it can't be managed. So if there's something you want to improve, you got to start tracking the variables that are associated with that thing. And if you start tracking it, it'll, it'll, it'll do it. For example, just the other day, uh, I was talking to somebody who, who needs to start drinking more water because this person had a kidney stone and they need to start drinking more water. And I was like, yo, man, how much water you had today? And it was like a lot. I said, oh, no, 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 like me, I'll tell you exactly how many ounces of water I had today. You know what I'm saying? 130. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got fucking counted. I'll tell you how many calories I burned today, right? Because these are metrics I care about, right? The only reason I told that person, man, because I, I love that person. <laughs> That's the first example I could think of, right? But you want to take your feelings out of it and just look at it like numbers. You know what I'm saying? And that, that was, uh, I found something I found really beneficial. Number eight, the answer is always less. What do I mean by that? The year is 2019, and Brandon Carter was trying to make mad money, super aggressive. I had mad different businesses i started just businesses that i had to run that's the key i was di different businesses i had my main business i had my fitness business i had a supplement line i had a, a fucking food prep company in new york a keto food prep company i was managing other influencers in all their businesses and so that was like that's like mad shit and managing influencers is like having kids <laughs> but like Way worse, because most of us don't hate their kids, <laughs> except for yo mom. You know, I just had all these businesses going on, all these other things I was doing to make money. The problem with that was I was making money. I made a few million a year, right? And it, it was working, but it was super high stress. And it took a lot out of me to the point where I felt like I got burnt out. And it was the first time in a long time. And then uh, one of my mentors said, hey, Brandon, you need to take a 10-day vacation. Work on no businesses work on nothing just take 10 days off and so i went by myself to the cayman islands checked into the hotel right on the beach and i just chilled and then i had the idea I was like fuck i need to just focus on one thing i shut down and or sold the businesses some of them i just shut down i kept one and then the following year i made three times the income i made three times as much money by doing less now it wasn't necessarily less work i was putting all my effort into one thing and I tripled my income and it was way less stressful and it was way more lucrative because with all these businesses, I had to do payroll for a bunch of different businesses, do accounting for a bunch of different businesses, legal shit for a bunch of, a bunch of different businesses, different kind of marketing to different kind of businesses, right? But when I put all the effort in one thing, I tripled my income. And, and that was just in business. I also simplified my life in general because I was doing a bunch of other wild shit, you know, saying, trying to be a, a huge influencer, out here trying to be an international playboy and shit, you know? And I, I just had a lot of shit going on and I just simplified all areas of my life. Stopped doing as much traveling. I even shut down my YouTube for a while. I just focused on one thing for a long time and man, I just so much more results. And then I got to the point where I did that for like two years, made a ton of money. And then the next year, doing the same thing, simplifying my life even more, I made 50% more money the following year. And it was by doing less. So the answer was always less. If you can figure out how to simplify your life, you'll have more what I call mental bandwidth, because your brain is like a computer CPU. You know, when you have Chrome up and too many tabs, you know what I'm talking about, man. You have like 50, 60 Pornhub tabs on, uh, open, man. Your computer starts slowing down, man, because you got 50 of them. Ah, that's not right. You're trying to find the right one to finish on and crazy. You got all these tabs open and uh, your computer slows down, man. Close the, close the fucking tabs and your brain runs better. Your business runs more efficient. Everything runs like way more efficiently and effectively. I just try to take that to the next level. I try to keep my mental bandwidth super low. Yeah, I'm, I'm super reluctant to take on a lot of things. Even to start this podcast, man, we, I don't know, we talked about this for months before we did it because I wanted to make sure I can incorporate it in my, in my life where a way where it was like super stress-free and it didn't like raise my bandwidth a whole lot. When you simplify your life, just things become better and you go farther with simplicity than you will with complexity. Steve Jobs says, focus and simplicity. Once you get there, you can move mountains. You know, Steve Jobs, man, he knows he knew he knows the, uh, he knows something about success. The reason I'm throwing these quotes in here, because I know sometimes you gotta hear like an old white man say the shit for you to really believe, oh, okay. You hear me say it, you're like, uh, it's easy to disregard. <laughs> it's very easy to disregard, especially because of my comedic prowess, you may think it's a joke. But you know, if I throw in, you know, one of my Caucasian counterparts, it seems as if it hits you a little harder. Number nine, everything is hypothetical until you apply it to your own life. 
For example, I do the ketogenic diet. I've been doing it for about eight years. It's been fantastic for me, but I'm never telling you guys to do it. I may tell you to try it, but I'm not telling you to, that you should do it or everyone should do it because you may get different results. Like we're all different. There's people who can die if they eat a peanut. Side note, those people shouldn't breed. Think about it. If they stop breeding, then we could all eat peanuts on the plains in peace. They keep fucking up the gene pool with their bullshit. I digress. The Spartans had some good ideas. You know what I'm saying? Bet you them Spartan kids, the ones that survived, bet you they could eat peanuts. Bet you they can eat peanuts. I digress. Everything's hypothetical to apply it to your own life. So when you hear people giving these all these rules, and even in this, like lessons I learned, these are lessons I learned. Maybe you you might find a you might have different experiences. But I hear all these rules. These motherfuckers say, you got to make your bed every day. You know what I'm saying? To be successful. You got to wake up early to be successful. You can't drink. You can't watch porn. You can't do nothing to be successful. I'm sure that will help some people, right? But I know some motherfucking perverts <laughs> who are multimillionaires, man. I know motherfuckers who do porn, who are making a ton of money, man. One of my boys, I know he watches porn because his girlfriend is like one of the most successful OnlyFans girls ever, and he manages her. So he watches a ton of porn, and he's successful. I know some degenerates <laughs> who are fucking multimillionaires. I don't remember the last time I made a bed. <laughs> but you hear these motherfuckers online, you got to make your bed, right? They say, or, or they say some shit, like just none of these rules are real. Maybe they help some people and then you might find them helpful too, but don't take them as gospel. Everything is hypothetical until you apply it to your own life. I learned this because I used to hear people say, um, how you do anything is how you do everything. I would hear it all the time. We've all heard that. And I thought that meant I had to improve everything I do. Well, fuck man, I'm, I'm kind of messy. I can't spell well. <laughs> my handwriting sucks. I was looking at all my flaws and I thought, fuck, man, I won't be I won't be good at anything. <laughs> I'll have no redeeming qualities because I can't spell or because I don't make my bed. Come to find out that that's utter bullshit. <laughs> I know a lot of super successful people who are super bad at a lot of things. I know rich guys who are super fat. They don't give a fuck about their health, but they make money, right? And I'm not saying that's advantageous. I'm not saying that's the best way to live life. Uh, I'm just saying, man, all these rules that people try to tell you is bullshit. Math <laughs> is the only thing that's like true. Everything else is opinion or subjectivity. And that goes to why you should track things and get data because you can't argue with math. Men lie, bitches lie, numbers don't collect data, track anything you want to improve. And then it's like, motherfuckers can tell me, hey, bro, you don't make your bed, you can't be successful. I'll fuck around and never make a bed ever again. <laughs> and I still fucking make millions every year. I made millions while jagging off frequently and consuming loads of pornography, right? And motherfuckers will tell you you can't do it. Like none of this shit is real. I'm not saying you should do it, but I'm just saying like, yo, don't listen to these rules. Just take everything as suggestions. If I say I do keto, maybe you should try it. It's a suggestion. Everything is hypothetical until you apply it to your own life. You might find out that porn is fucking up with your shit. Cool, but you gotta have data to back that up. And then if you stop watching porn, you stop jagging all fucking shit away for a minute and get to work. And, and you notice that it's making you more money. You make more money as a result. Cool. But these motherfuckers say, you got to do no fap and you'll be a superhero. Motherfuckers that like, if you don't jack off, you'll be able to levitate and walk through walls and shit. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> that hasn't been my experience. Maybe it's yours though. And I don't want to take that away from you, right? Everything's hypothetical until you apply it to your own life. That's super important. Marcus Aurelius said, everything we hear is an opinion, not fact. Everything we see is perspective, not truth. That's Marcus Aurelius, man. You know what I'm saying? It was the time he ran the whole world, or most of it. Like, if you weren't living in a hut or a cave, he was your motherfucking boss. Number 10, stop looking for what you can get away with and start trying to find out how much you can take. A lot of times when I talk about some of the things that have worked for me, right? Being real diligent about my schedule, planning out my time. You know, I talk about Google Calendar and how I, I plan all my awake minutes of every day. I have videos about it or how I, I track all these different metrics in my life. I take my food scale with me <laughs> everywhere I go, even to restaurants and weigh my food. A lot of people say, man, you can still get in shape without having to do that. And you can, you can. But the thing is, I'm not trying to see how little I can do and still win. I'm trying to be the best I can be. And to be the best I can be, I'm probably gonna have to put in effort to deserve the kind of outcomes I want. Charlie Mugger said, you don't get what you want, you get what you deserve. 
the world is not crazy enough place to reward a whole bunch of undeserving people. Charlie Munger's, you know, he's one of the richest people in the world. When I go after a goal, I'm not trying to think, what do I need to do to accomplish this goal? I'm thinking, what kind of effort would I have to put in to make failure impossible? And that's why I'm so good at accomplishing goals. But everyone else, it really seems like they're kind of obsessed with doing the least possible. And I see this reflected in a lot of the comments I receive on social media when, when, when I just talk about working hard. Like these other people are trying to sell you a dream. They're trying to sell you a motherfucking scam. Hey man, if you buy this NFT project, you'll make a bunch of money. Or they're trying to say, you know, you can do almost nothing and make a bunch of money. And you know, people fall for those scams. I'm actually telling you work as hard as possible, <laughs> work to capacity and you will be able to accomplish your goals. <laughs> and like, that's the truth. And it, it, it makes a lot of sense to me when I hear it, but I get a lot of pushback from that, you know? And people say, oh, you gotta have balance. You gotta enjoy life. You gotta do all this other stuff, you know? But it's like, it might be that we just have different ideas of what enjoying life means, right? Because a lot of times when they say that, they mean hedonism. They mean, how can I work as least as little as possible and then go out to the parties and go out to the clubs and go on vacations and get drunk high, have casual sex with people and shit. And I'm not demonizing those activities. However, if like, those are the only ways you can find joy, then it kind of saddens me if that's your existence, if those are the only things you can find joy in, right? Because those things are hedonistic. And most of these hedonistic activities, you can only engage in those activities sparingly, right? You can't get drunk every day. I mean, I guess you can. I mean, I, I'd advise against it, but I, I think you can. I guess you could go out having casual sex with random people every day. Uh, but, you know, typically there's negative outcomes associated with that. I guess you could get high every day or because you could like live your life on vacation. But it's hard for me to believe that we live in a world where those are going to yield the best outcomes for you. And you can only do it sometimes, right? That's the only way you can find joy. You can only do that sometimes, which means you can only enjoy life sparingly. But man, I'm just telling you, if you can start to find joy in seeing how much you can take, if you can start to find joy in finding out what are your limitations and trying to push past your limitations, if you can find joy in learning how to push yourself and, and seeing how hard you can go, you can actually enjoy life every day. You can enjoy life every minute of every day. If you can learn to enjoy pushing yourself, going for it, going the extra mile, you can enjoy life every day. I learned this when I was working for a moving company. The moving industry typically attracts a lot of employees who are unemployable otherwise. <laughs> None of us are doing it because we love fucking picking up people's shit and putting it in different homes. So, you know, motherfuckers would be lazy, they'll fuck around. A lot of, I would see this a lot. Or me, I made a game of it. It's like, can I be the hardest worker here on this job? Like, how hard can I go? And what happens when I started approaching the job with that kind of attitude, the time went by so faster and I enjoyed it more. And then I took that that same work ethic into everything I do. And I would just notice that people who were like trying to cut corners, who were trying to see what they can get away with, they enjoyed the job less. But again, you gotta remember, you're gonna work at least 30% of your life. 30% of your time is gonna be spent working. And if you can't find a way to enjoy it, then that means 30% of your life you don't enjoy. So when these motherfuckers say, oh, you gotta enjoy life, you gotta live a little bit, you gotta live life, they don't understand that I enjoy life more than them. Even when I was fucking working for moving companies, you know what I'm saying? I'm enjoying life more than them. And when, I, when even now when I'm working, I'm seeing, man, how much can I do for my customers? How big can I build a business? How, how much can I make my customers succeed? Uh, how, how much can I help my employees succeed and accomplish their goals? Like how much can I take instead of how much I can get away with? I enjoy the business more. It's intrinsic. Like I love the results. I love money. Don't get it fucked up. I love money, but I actually love what I do for a living as well because I approach it with that attitude. And I think even if it wouldn't make you more successful, it will, but even if it wouldn't make you more successful, if you can learn to enjoy pushing yourself, you can just be happier. You'll be happier for a greater percentage of the time you're awake in life <laughs> if you learn to enjoy pushing yourself. But if you are trying to see what you can get away with, trying to do the least, I guarantee you, almost all humans are gonna work at least 30% of their life. They're gonna spend 30% of their time working. If you fucking are trying to get away with, get see what you can get away with, the only time you'll be able to find joy is when you're doing something hedonistic. And that sounds like an awful way to live. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, thank you for listening to this all the way to the end. And in case you're looking for more free content and more free stuff that'll help you 
make money, build your muscle and your mindset, join our free Victory Unit Discord channel. It's 100% free. And I have free courses in there that you can download right now, today, 100% free. And we're putting new courses in there all the time. We're in there answering your questions. There's a group of people who are super serious about obtaining elite level success. And if that's you, go ahead and join the Discord. But don't join, you know, if you want to be average or mediocre. That's not the place for you. You won't find anything for you there, right? If you want to be a regular guy who does regular shit until you die, that's cool. I'm sure you got redeeming qualities. The Victory Unit Discord, you won't find a lot of value for you. Now, if you're a guy who's hell bent on success and will not allow anything to stop him from accomplishing his goals, you fucking need to join the Victory Unit Discord. You need to stop whatever you're doing, whatever it is. It's not more important than joining the Victory Unit Discord right now. I don't care if you're holding a baby, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you're at work, put the baby down. Walk out of that meeting, join the Victory Unit Discord right now, right? It's the most important thing you'll do if you're serious about success. In the case you're into video podcasts, you can find and watch this episode on my YouTube channel as well, all right? Holla at y'all. Peace.